Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. Except for Scott, you turn to Revelation, brother, end times, okay? <laughs> uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. You know, we're in this uh, sermon series on Sunday night. We called it the Big Four. And basically what we're doing is we're looking at the four most shared, bookmarked, uh, and uh, just uh, that were um, highlighted out of the, anybody have the version Bible app? Right, I have it on my phone. I think they literally broke like a billion people in the world have the version Bible app on their phone. So if you need a Bible app for your phone or something like that, I really recommend it. But, uh, and so they release every year this thing about um, the most shared, uh, the most bookmarked, the most highlighted uh, verses from that. And so that's what we're looking at. And we're looking at it. We started at number four last week. Last week it was Joshua chapter 1. And verse number nine, and um, and we're talking about God's way to succeed, and and all of that. And then the third most shared verse is actually a surprise to me. I would have never seen this one coming. Uh, again, it's the verse that's found there in the Gospel of Matthew. When we read it, it's pretty apparent why it made it into the top four. Look in your Bible, Matthew chapter six, and verse thirteen. The first part of that verse. This was the number three, the third most shared Bible verse. And 2017, Matthew 6, verse 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Say that with me on the count of three. One, two, three. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, as I, at first, I thought it was a little odd that this verse was like the number three verse. But actually, it's something that I believe that everybody, whether you're a believer in Jesus Christ or not, everybody has struggled with temptation. Temptation. Now, I love what the, the playwright Oscar Wilde, he said this. Oscar Wilde said, I can resist almost anything other than temptation. Have you ever felt like that? Uh, on one hand, the fact that this is included in what we call the Lord's Prayer tells us that learning how to deal with temptation on a daily basis is important to being everything that God had called us to be as believers. Um, and it's also, it's a reminder that this verse is included, that the fact that we as believers, we are in a war, that every day we go to battle, that it's a spiritual war that we engage in. We call it uh, in church lingo, spiritual warfare, right? We're in a battle. The spirit of God that lives in you does not want to give in to temptation and sin, but the world, the flesh, and the devil wants to give in to temptation and sin. It's a battle. It's what the world wants for you. It's what the flesh wants for you. It's what the devil wants for you, but not God. Je okay, I want you to understand this. Jesus didn't just die to save us from our sin, singular. I mean, the sin nature. Jesus didn't just die to save us from our sin, our sin nature, but also to save us from our sins, plural, every day. Jesus didn't die just to win the war over sin. He died and came back from the grave to empower us to walk in that victory every day. Of all the things that are included in the, this, what we call the Lord's Prayer, I think this verse is one of the more difficult to understand, right? And do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from the... Well, it's, it sounds like God is leading us into temptation, right? Why would God lead us? He tell us not to go into something when that verse makes it almost sound like he's leading us into it. Again, the key to understanding that verse is that word temptation. Now, before uh, the Greek New Testament was on the scene, the word temptation... Uh, in the original Greek, almost never meant anything to do with sin. It wasn't a, like we, when we think of temptation, you know exactly what that means. When I'm tempted to do something I shouldn't do or something that's not good for me, that thing is a 
temptation, right? And so, but before the, the New Testament was written, really that word, it meant a test. The word temptation in Greek really was a test or to try something. Look at this next slide. You need to understand that not every test is a temptation, but every temptation is a test. It absolutely is a test. Even though God never leads us to be tempted, he allows us to be tempted to teach us to trust him and to resist temptation. If we will, uh, this, this uh, is Matthew 6 here is part of what we call the Lord's Prayer. But if we'll pray this prayer and do what it says, we will find that we can have victory over temptation. Take some notes. And I hope you got your bulletins this morning. Take some notes tonight. Write this down. Number one, we need to let God lead us. Let God lead lead you again the first part of that prayer in matthew chapter 6 verse 13 says do not lead us see guys these sermons write themselves i'm telling you and do not lead us into temptation right and by the way this is obviously a prayer that you would pray at the beginning of the day having a quiet time having a time of prayer and uh, scripture intake in the morning is important it's the best way to start the day every morning when you walk out of that door you're going to face numerous temptations in this life as a matter of fact it's a lot look at this next slide it's a lot of like this there's places all over the world where you walk down the street you'll see a sign just like that danger signs warning that there are minefields you can't see the mines but you know that they're real and they're there let me tell you one thing that you'll never ever see and that's anybody strolling or strutting through a minefield you'll never see anybody strolling or strutting through a minefield and that's the picture of what we have here. The world is full of landmines, of temptations in the life of the believer, right? And everywhere you look, a marriage is blowing up, a ministry is ruined, a reputation is destroyed. We need to pray daily that our Heavenly Father would keep us from stepping on a landmine of temptation. And again, I understand that it sounds like a strange request when you read it. A holy God would obviously never lead people uh, into a situation where they might become unholy. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Right? The key to winning the battle over temptation, though, however, is surrender. It kind of goes against our instincts. Our sermon title tonight, Victory through surrender but uh, i mean whoever won a battle won a war by surrendering that's the difference between earthly kingdoms and god's kingdoms every time that you're tempted you're going to surrender to one of two things you're either going to surrender to the will of god for your life or you're going to surrender to the temptation one or the other is going to happen think about it this way if you ever ask anybody to lead you anywhere what you're doing is you're surrendering to that person to lead you. If you get in the car with me and I'm driving us somewhere, you're surrendering to me to know where I'm going and to get us there safely. That's kind of the picture of what we have here. If we allow our Heavenly Father to lead us and, and we can trust Him, um, there's no situation of temptation that we can't handle. Our problem is we often purposely walk into temptation uh, and tempting situations where we can be tempted. We stroll and we strut through the minefield of temptations because we think we can handle it. Um, there's a, 
I think I've told this story before. There was a man that was downtown, and he was trying to find a parking space. He was late for a very important a meeting, I don't know, a job interview or something. And he was, uh, he was circling around, and he couldn't find the parking space. And finally, he parked his car in a no-parking zone. And so then he left a, a note on his car. He said this, I've circled, the block for, uh, I've circled the block 20 times. I've got an appointment, and I've got to keep it, or I'm going to lose my job. And then he ended with, forgive us our debts. And then when he got back, he found a traffic ticket. And on that traffic ticket, it had a note. And the police officer said this, I've circled this block for 20 years. If I don't give you a ticket, I lose my job. Lead us not into temptation. Amen? One of the ways that God keeps us out of temptation is giving us the wisdom to not allow ourselves to get in that situation where we're tempted. I mean, you can pray this prayer, Matthew 6, 13. You can pray that prayer and not be sincere, and it's not going to do you any good at all. So how do you know if you really mean that prayer when, it, when you pray it? One proof that you mean this prayer is that you do everything in your own power to avoid a tempting situation. You remember this? Look at this next slide. You remember this uh, from our, our sermon last week? We talked about with dealing with addictions and struggles. All God wants you to do is do what you can do, and then God will do what only he can do. Right? Same thing is true with temptations. When it comes to temptations, you do what you can do, and then God will do what only he can do. The best way I've learned to avoid falling into sin is simply avoiding the temptations to begin with. Have you ever heard the, the expression, flirting with danger? That's a really good expression. And it's a very appropriate way of putting it. There's danger in flirtation. And when you're flirting, you're flirting with danger. I know uh, pastors today who aren't even pastors anymore because they were uh, flirting with danger. I hope you hear this next thing. Man, I put this in my notes. Look at this next slide. The greatest temptation that you're ever going to face, the most dangerous temptation is going to be the one that you think you can handle all by yourself. That will be the most dangerous temptation in your life. You don't prove how strong you are by dealing with temptation. You prove how strong you are by not being in that situation to be tempted to begin with. When you do stumble in temptation, though, whether it be out of ignorance or playing with fire or whatever it is, if you're walk, really walking with God and you really mean this prayer, Matthew 6, 13, when you pray it, God will provide an exit sign for you and he'll show you the way out. Matter of fact, I recently heard a pastor, he talked about, he's been in the ministry for probably almost 30 years now, and he talked about when very early on in the ministry, uh, you know, he didn't really have any standards or rules set up about counseling uh, ladies, right, counseling women. And this woman had, uh, was very discouraged about her marriage, about her husband, and he, uh, she wanted to set up a time to come and talk with the pastor. And so he set that time up, and his office was very secluded, you know, no, win you know um, no windows in the doors or anything like that. But so she came in, and she shared with him about, you know, how upset she was. Her husband wasn't being the leader in the home that God was calling him to be and, and uh, just discouraged, and he's just not, he's supposed to be saved, but he's not acting like it, and what a struggle it was for her good godly Christian woman to have a husband that just won't exhibit godly leadership and just on and on. Well, finally the time for the, the counseling session to end and the pastor said, well, you know, blah, 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 blah. He said, well, let me pray with you before, before you go. And he said, let's pray. And then she leaned up on his, de uh, on his desk. She had a low-cut blouse on and she leaned up on her elbows on, her, uh, on his desk and said, well, let me tell you one more thing before we pray. And he said, yeah. And she said, he's not meeting all of my needs, if you know what I'm saying. And he did. 
right? And so then, he, they, and then uh, he said that right immediately after that, he said he just, he just jumped up, got out from behind his desk, opened the door, and told her this counseling session is over. You need a sex therapist. You don't need a pastor. Hit the door. Don't come. And he also said he told her not to come see him again. And then she left. Then he called his assistant in and said, from now on, whenever I counsel with a woman, you're going to be in here. From now on. Listen, what happened that day is a, a direct answer to prayer, actually. He didn't lead, God didn't lead him into that situation. His own ignorance did, but God did lead him out of it. If you've uh, been around Grace very long, and any time a lady has ever come to me and needing counseling and things like that, uh, you're always welcome to, to do that. Uh, but Alicia's always here. You know, and that's just, well, that's just what happens. She's always here, and that's the reason. We need to have wisdom and discernment. You do what you can do. Use that noodle between your ears. <laughs> and you do what you can do and then allow God to do what only he can do. He'll get you out of it. Now, before we move to the second part, I just want to show you something that I never really realized before when I was studying this this week, that it's amazing that God, right in that same section, he says, forgive us of our sins, and then we're told, do not lead us into temptation. It's, here's just a thought. I believe if we spent more time asking God to deliver us from temptation we'd spend less time asking God to forgive us of our sins. If we spend a little bit more time asking God, don't lead us into temptation, Lord, help me to have wisdom, we'll be asking for the forgiveness of a lot less sin. The point is, the only way to overcome temptation is to let God to direct you from the beginning and then let God protect you even if you ever do get tempted. Number two, the second thing is this. Write this down. We, not only do we do that, we let God lead us, but we let God deliver us. Let God deliver you. Look at the second part of that prayer, Matthew 6 and verse 13. It says, do not lead us unto, into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, some of your uh, Bible versions might say deliver us from evil. Uh, I don't like that translation. I like this one. All right, deliver us from the evil one. One. We're not just to get up against some, we're not, it's not just some mystical force that's out there, some kind of nebulous thing. It's literally the evil one, the devil. We're against the forces of, we're not against the forces of evil in the abstract. We're against the forces of evil in the concrete. Evil personified in that person that we call the devil. I told you that there's a war and every day is a battle. Who are you fighting? Look at Ephesians 6, 12 in your notes. The Apostle Paul said this, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, I guess by now you should know I do believe in a real, literal, personal devil, and I believe in demons. And the main reason why I believe in that is because Jesus did. I mean, Jesus did, and I do too. But I'm very careful when I talk about devils and demons. You know, some people see a devil and a demon under every chair. Under every rock, behind every tree. Listen, you weren't late for work Friday because the devil made you work. You were late for work Friday because you didn't get up out of bed on time. You understand? Oh, pray for me, Pastor. The devil's after me. What's wrong? I was late for work again Friday. Well, what happened? Well, I overslept. Well, the devil's not your problem. Amen. Listen, C.S. Lewis said this. Many people do focus on those kind of things too much. C.S. Lewis said there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devil and demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and have an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They are equally pleased by both errors. It really isn't hard to find the devil's fingerprints all over things in the world, though. 
Jesus called the devil a tempter. He called him a liar. He called him a murderer. In all temptation, there's this tempter. Behind all murders, there's this murderer. Behind all lying is this liar. Do you know where the word, by the way, where devil comes from? It comes from uh, that Greek word diablos, which means slanderer, someone who spreads lies or someone who deceives. I think that's why the Bible hates gossip so much. Right? I mean, when we slander and when we deceive, uh, maybe we're, not, we're never more like the devil when we're busy and caught up in gossip and slandering other people. Right? He loves to make us think that wrong is right and that bad is good. But I think that the lie he really wants you to believe is, is that you can sin, do wrong, rebel against God, rebel against God's word, and get away with it. Either God's going to deliver you from the devil's power or the devil's power is going to dominate you. Who are you going to surrender to, Christ or the devil? That's why we pray constantly and consistently that God would deliver us from the evil one and not just from evil. And that word, again, in uh, that word deliver, it's such a strong word. Have you ever looked at a child of yours, maybe they talk back at you, and you thought to yourself, I'm about to snatch you up. Do you know what I mean? My, my children have never talked back to me. You've got those heathen children, right? Mine, they're just perfect. It's like Scott, went just a moment ago, when he went to play that song again. I thought, boy, I'm about to snatch you up. <laughs> that's the word when you, you see, that's the word deliver. Deliver us from evil. It's not like, I'm going to deliver you from evil, right? It's like snatch us up, grab us up, snatch us up by the neck. It's a very powerful word. And let me tell you what Jesus was actually saying. No matter how spiritually mature you are or you think you are, no matter how strong you think you are in your own power, you're no match for the devil, and, the, and he needs to snatch you up, deliver you. I've seen people go down in flames because they walk into temptation thinking they can handle it, and they get burned. Matter of fact, I'm on, some people would disagree with this, but I believe when it comes to the devil, you never go on the offensive. You're always on the defensive. What we have here is God telling us don't pick a fight with the devil because when you go in trying to fight the devil on your own, you're in over your head. Have you ever heard that phrase, too big to fail? And that's that too big to fail, right? Our government, you know, in recent years decided that certain companies were too big to fail because those companies are interconnected with other companies, they're interconnected with other companies, and there's so many jobs, and they're so important that this company is too big to fail. We cannot allow this company to fail, right? Listen carefully. You're not too big to fail when it comes to the devil. That's not you. You're not too big to fail. When it comes to the devil, when it comes to temptation. But God is too big to fail you. God is too big to fail you. The devil's defeated, but he's not dead. Satan is alive and well on planet earth. Uh, the disciple Peter spent a lot of time with Jesus. Look what he said in 1 Peter 5, 8. He said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour now, I've never met a man or woman yet that could take a lion. Well, Tarzan. We don't need to tremble in fear of this lion because James, the brother of Jesus, he said this in James 4, 7. He said, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But nowhere in Scripture will you find it where it says, hey, go find the devil and whoop up on him. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's the secret to victory. 
When you pray, lead me not into temptation, you're surrendering to the leadership of Christ, to the headship of Christ in your life. When you pray, deliver me from the evil one, he takes over. God does the fighting in his power to resist the devil, not you. You're not too big to fail, but God is too big to fail you. I love the way that Martin Luther described temptation. He claimed that his way of handling temptation, what he would do is this. He said every time the devil knocks on the door of his heart with temptation, he just simply says, Jesus, will you answer the door, please? And then he says, every time Jesus answers the door, the devil just runs away. I don't know what particular sin or temptation maybe you're struggling with or dealing with in your life. You may be fighting. I don't know what particular battle that you're facing in your life. But if you'll let God lead you, let God direct you, if you surrender to God's will for your life, then God will deliver you. God will lead you. God will absolutely set you free. In Christ, there's freedom. He will protect you in temptation because he always delivers on time. It doesn't mean you won't be tempted, but he'll be there. But the biggest temptation anyone's ever going to face is to somehow convince themselves that in this life they don't need Christ Jesus, that you don't need God, that you don't need his direction, you've got this, that somehow you're a morally good person and you can do this on your own in your own strength. I tell you again, you are not too big to fail. The biggest temptation anyone ever faced in this life is the temptation to say no to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And why do we do that? We give in to pride. We think that we're better than we are. We don't want to show any weakness and admit that we can't save ourselves and that we're not good enough and that we're not strong enough. The only way that you're going to have victory in this life over anything, is, but especially sin and temptation, the world, the devil, and the flesh is through Christ Jesus. In him is victory. He's won the victory, and he's bought the victory for you with his precious blood. In Christ is the victory to temptation. But the only way that you have that victory is through surrendering to him. You're going to surrender to somebody. You're either going to surrender to Jesus or you're going to surrender to the devil. You're going to make a choice. There's no such thing as not making a choice. You're either going to live for God or you're going to be the plaything for the devil. The biggest temptation that you're ever going to face is to say no to Jesus and to live this life alone, lost, unclean, and condemned. And when you stand before God on the day of judgment, it's not going to be how nice were you to your neighbors. It's not going to be how much money you gave to the church. It's not going to be how many wonderful Sunday night services that you attended. None of those things are going to matter. The only thing that's going to matter is have you surrendered to Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can defeat the devil, and he's the only one that ever has. Have you trusted him? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word, Lord, for the time we've spent in worship. Lord, we thank you for Matthew chapter 6, God. We thank you for this prayer that you've given us. Lord, that we can know that you will deliver us from the evil one. And we know this because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. Just for a second, guys, honestly, do business with God. Is there some area in your life where you're allowing temptation to creep in? You're seeding that ground where Christ won the victory, 
and you're, you're already surrendering to the devil uh, a big uh, area in your life that God has given you the victory in, but you're allowing that temptation to creep back in and to creep back in and to creep back in. The only answer tonight, if you're a believer, the only answer tonight is for you to surrender afresh to the lordship of Christ in your life. Ask him to deliver you from the evil one. Surrender yourself to him and his will for your life. You can do that right there. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You can pray that prayer and be sincere about it. And then what are you going to do? You're going to do what you can do. If there's some temptation you need to get rid of, if there's some person you not, need to not be around, if there's a situation that you need to avoid, you're going to do what you can do. And then you're going to watch and see as God does what only God can do. Maybe you're here tonight and you know in your heart you've never prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've not done it. Now's the time. You're never going to have victory over that sin in your life that's wearing you out. You make promises. You make promises to yourself and you break them. You even pray to God. Oh God, if you'll get me out of this, I'll do better. Oh God, if you'll fix this, if you'll take care of this. Oh Lord, if I can get out of this one more time, I'll do better. I'll never do that again. And then you do. And then again, oh God, I'm so sorry, I promise, I'm never going to do that again. Then you do. The truth is, you can't keep promises you make to yourself. How are you going to keep promises to God? The only thing that God wants you to do is humble yourself. Admit your need for a Savior. Confess your faith in Christ Jesus. His death, burial, and resurrection for your salvation. He wants you to trust Him because He loves you. And He proved His love for you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever that's you. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And that's you and that's good news. Have you trusted him? Why don't you pray right there in your seat? You could pray a prayer like this. Nothing special about these words. It's you doing business with God. Right now, pray. And say, God, I'm a sinner. I sin. I do dirt. I do things. I know I shouldn't. And I know it's wrong. But, Lord, I'm turning from my sin, and I'm turning to Jesus. Save me, Jesus. I'm putting my faith in your death, burial, and resurrection. I'm just trusting Christ according to the Bible. Just by faith, I'm trusting Jesus. Call out to God, and he'll forgive you. And you do that. If you just prayed that prayer, and you're being sincere with God, the next time that temptation comes, there's going to be something different. That thing that's different is the fact that you're not alone. <laughs> you're not alone. It's not just you anymore. He's there with you. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they're in that fiery furnace, they weren't alone. And when you walk through this life and you find yourself in that fiery furnace of temptation, heartache, grief, guess what? Never alone. 
Maybe tonight you know, you recognize, you've prayed to receive Christ, but you've never made it public. You've never followed through in biblical believers' baptism. You need to get your baptism on the right side of your salvation. Why don't you come tonight? We'll rejoice with you. We'll schedule that. We'll pray with you. The first step of truly being a follower of Christ is following through with baptism. Maybe you're here tonight and God is calling you to be a part of this church family. You know that God has called you to be a part of grace, to grow your roots right here at Grace, to put on the jersey and be a part of the team. Why don't you come and do that this Sunday night? Whatever it is, however God is speaking with you tonight, do business with God. Father God, we love you and we surrender this invitation to you. It's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Will you stand with us?